Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to cars.com. It's magical. On today's Patriot Nation podcast, we have a draft preview for you. We are joined by Alex Barth from 98.5 The Sports Hub. Of course, it is me, Pat, Ryan, and Keegan with you today. Uh, it is a great draft preview. We have a great conversation about guys that we're targeting, what they might be doing. It was recorded live on Tuesday night, of course. Uh, and so it's a heck of a conversation. Don't forget as well, Thursday night, tonight, Thursday night, we'll be live the entire round one. So do not miss that on the Pat's Pulpit uh, Twitter feed, on the Twitch page, and on the YouTube page. Make sure you're around for that. But this is a draft preview that we did with Alex Barth on Tuesday night. It's a heck of a show. So buckle up and cue the music. Stack receivers, two to the right. Russell Wilson extends the hands. He has it. Wilson, quick throw. And it's good. Here we are with our draft preview. It's Tuesday night. We are getting ready for the draft. And uh, who better to get ready with the draft with than Alex Barth? Alex, man, we love having you on the show. Here you are talking. You talked CLNS draft earlier. You're talking Pat's Public Draft with us. We appreciate you. And uh, and we're happy to have you on. Love doing it. Let's have some. I mean, we're having fun. I feel bad because we were talking draft. You're talking linebackers. We were talking quarterbacks before we started recording. And like, I feel bad because that would have been that would have been good content. So let's just keep it going here. It was it was, you know, it was me. I was the I'm coaching my daughter's softball team. First game tonight. Got the big two two zero victory. Uh, so, you know, proud dad over here. Uh, but things got things got a little delayed at the field getting home. So, so I was a little late getting here. But uh, but yeah, I mean, that's the thing. Like right now. Here we are, right? We're sitting at 15. What the hell is going to happen? There's a, there's, a, there's a bunch of smoke about the Patriots moving up. Fitzy's convinced if they move up, they're not taking a quarterback. I saw that tweet today. I was like, what the hell is he talking about? So, like, who knows what's going to happen? But, um, it, I mean, yeah, Alex, if you had to guess, if I had to, if I said to you, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you a million dollars if you get the person that they take in the first round correct. Can I get this who, in writing? Who's, who's your choice? Oh, so I have to guess the person, not just what they do. Just, just the person, not not what they do. The person that they take in the first round. I so uh, see that's tough because until today I've been going with J.C. Horn at fifteen. Yeah, and now it looks like Horn might kind of go earlier. Right, and I I do sort of agree with Fitzy. I'm not locked into the idea that they're trading up for not a quarterback. Like I think if they trade up, it's probably for quarterback. But 
if Sertan falls or if Sewell falls, right? First of all, if one of those guys falls, it means Fields is off the board at eight, right. most likely. And, you know, if Bill really likes one of those players, and there's a lot to like for both of them, I think they're both generational talents, again, Sertan and Sewell, you know, you already kind of worked out the, the parameters of the trade with the Panthers. Maybe call them back and say, hey, you know, the quarterback's not on the board anymore, so we're taking this pick back or we're giving you this pick instead or whatever, but you're kind of already halfway there. There's a good player on the board. Do you give up? Maybe it's an extra third. Maybe it's a third round pick. Maybe it's a first and a third. Do you give up a, a, an extra third round pick to take Sewell instead of, instead of Derisaw or Sertan instead of Horn? I probably would. Yeah. So I still think like the tea leaves right now, Atlanta's the wild card, but if Atlanta passes on a quarterback and doesn't trade out of that pick, Fields is going to get to eight. He's going to. And if he does, and the Patriots don't, you know, you can say things about the Patriots being conservative, and that's certainly fair. I don't think they half-ass anything. Right. It, they're, if they're talking about something, they're, they're planning on doing it, assuming that, you know, the parameters stay the same. If they're talking to the Panthers, like Albert Breer said, and a couple other people too, but Breer was the one on my head. If they're talking to the Panthers about moving up to eight, like Breer says they are, that's the plan. If Fields is there and they're having that discussion, that's the plan. So now it becomes does Fields get there? Right now it looks like he does. We'll see. Like fingers crossed on Atlanta screwing up. You know, we need Atlanta to screw up at the last minute so we can get we can get what we want. Been there, that done before. that. Yeah. But yep. you know that that's where I am at it. And then again, if it goes to fifteen, I'm looking at corner or tackle. And I think you know if if they take a corner or tackle at fifteen, and then there was the Giardi report about them wanting to close the gap. They take a corner. Gilmore, if they take a tackle, win. Do they make a trade and maybe pick up some more mm-hmm. on day two? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. I think too. If if even if you get to eight, right, and you, they're not going to take a quarterback to take a quarterback. I think we know that, right? They're not. Right. You know, Matt, uh, Kyle Shanahan came out and said we like five guys at three. Like the Patriots aren't moving up to to do that. That's why I think there might be something set in stone, but they might have to wait to see how the board shakes out, just because to make right. sure that their guys exactly. there. But I think even if you get to eight, right, like you said, maybe you take a pick away if that quarterback's not there. You're getting a really good player. Whether that's one of the receivers that we talk, we'll, we'll get into Devonte Smith, Jalen Waddle, maybe a Chase Falls, who knows? Or, or like you said, Penny Sewell. Maybe they're high on Slater. I know they worked out Darisaw, uh, reach a little bit there. But yeah, it's tough. I mean, I think if if they go, if if they move up and they don't take a quarterback, there's got to be another plan. Maybe on Friday, right? Like there's got to be something yeah. for maybe Jimmy G in the works. I'm sure we'll get into that. Uh, but it's super interesting. Like you said, I, I think that. Where there's smoke, there's fire, especially this time of year with the Patriots. Um, they've had an aggressive offseason. I, I I would assume they'd take um, a similar approach to the draft, considering they're one piece away, really, from being... I think they're a quarterback away from being a, a favorite to, to to be in the AFC Championship game, really, when you look at yeah, it. Yeah. Kansas City's obviously Kansas City. Baltimore will give you trouble. You know, and then teams like Tennessee and Indy, you know, you, you, you kind Buffalo. of pen them in. Yeah, Buffalo, too, right? You, you'll pen them in for 11, 12 wins. Um, they're right there in that class. They are. They right. They're right there. With so the quarterback, yeah. It, it's it's so super interesting. Um, but I, I want to get into to, to that eighth pick if they do get there, right? Like you said, Fields. Uh, I, I don't know how how you pass on a quarterback if if it, if you get there because there's likely going to be two on the board unless someone you know Atlanta shocks the world and takes a quarterback, which they've been sneaky quiet 
uh, the last few weeks. They had guys at their pro day or someone like Washington. That's kind of my hot take of the draft. They unload picks and go up and get fields at four. Uh, similar with with Rivera having success with Cam early in his year. I think that's a pretty good fit for him. So, you know, well, I he, sorry. Go ahead. Uh, I, uh, the only thing I was going to say was that I think the drop off. And I, by the way, I would just like to say I did have in my final mock draft the Patriots trading up to ten to draft Penny Sewell. And people said I was you're nuts and you're stupid and this and that, but I'm just I'm just saying we're sitting here talking about it Tuesday night like like it makes a lot of sense. So we'll see what happens. But I will say the the issue that I have with eight, okay, and and it's not if it's for Justin Fields, fine. If it's for anybody else, it concerns me, and here's why. Okay, anybody else or quarterbacks or anybody well, else quarterbacks quarterbacks period. quarterbacks okay. I'm cool with right quarterback I'm fine with, but the problem is even if you look at so look at eight compared to 10, right? I mean, you're talking about a 40 point difference between eight and 10. If you look on the draft value chart, that's a big difference, right? So like I had them trading up to 10 and flipping 46 and 75. So they, they'd get 46 or Dallas would get 46. Patriots would get 75, right? So it'd be 10 and 75 for 15 and 46. And that works out to be pretty much even, right? The problem is, is that if you're trying to get from 15 to eight, you need to throw in, 46 straight up and then you're getting maybe a fifth round pick back. So 15 and 46 plus a fifth rounder for, even if it's for Penny Sewell, right. Or if it's for one of the wide receivers, what are they like that to me? I have a hard time saying, okay, that makes a lot of sense. Or well, you gotta, saying you, you got to jump down next year's first. Like that. No, but quarterback, I'm, pull, quarterback yeah. I'm okay with. I'm okay with quarterback. You want to do yeah. you, 15. If you can do, to me, 1596 and next year's first, or 15120 and next year's first for Fields or Lance, 100% I'm in. But if you're telling me 15 and next year's first for Penny Sewell, that I have a hard time buying into that well, if that's going to so, be what it is, you know? Here's what I'd say. And here's kind of the difference to me between eight and 10 to play devil's advocate. Because you, you right. I mean, those are all valid points. But yep. if you look at it, two more players are going to go. And I think if you look at seven and eight, if we're talking about Sertan and Sewell, and Sewell as these two players that you're trying to go up to 10, those guys are probably going seven and eight if you don't right. touch anything. And right. and Parsons probably goes in that window too. Parsons might go nine. And then anybody you're trading up for, you're going to get at 15 probably because you're going to see at that point, you know, a run of, of wide receivers. So I think there is inherent value in the eighth pick versus the 10th pick. The other thing is, and look, I'm a slave to the trade chart. I agonize or I could show you all the math in my notebook. I do trying to figure the things out, but there's been a trend recently, especially when it comes to quarterbacks where the first round isn't based on the chart. Most of the trades, the last couple of years in the top 15 have been massive, massive overpays for the teams moving up according to the chart. And it's kind of become about precedent. And if, if you look at what's happened the last two years, there wasn't any trade that's comparable last year, but if you go back to 2018, which was a similar class And Josh Rosen was, you know, you had four quarterbacks at the top. Lamar was kind of, you know, in the Kyle Trask, Kellen Mond range of that class. Obviously things changed, but when you look at it at the time, the Cardinals waited for that last quarterback to come off the board and then made their move. And it cost them, it was a first, a third, uh, a first, a third, and a third the next year. The next year, right? And it was a similar jump. I think they went 15 to 10. 15 to 10. 10. So then you guys already know this. (laughs) The next year, the Steelers wasn't for a quarterback. They took a linebacker. But again, it was a similar thing where they moved 20 to 10 and they gave up, I think it was a second and a future fifth, right? So 
you're probably yeah, for looking Devin Bush. Yep. for Devin Bush, right? So you're probably looking somewhere in between those two, which I think is reasonable. The other reason, and people have said, well, if you're going to trade up to eight, why not seven? You still have the Broncos possibly jumping you to seven. You still have the Lions. I, I think we're ruling the Lions out for quarterback a little prematurely. They kind of need everything, but right. you know, I don't think Goff's a long-term option. When With that eighth pick, there's a real chance that, I think there's a real chance that it's the fifth guy left and that's it. And that pick is suddenly worth so much less because one team has jumped you. So they're off the negotiating table and you don't get the luxury of choice. You're not paying to choose your quarterback. That's why the Niners moved up as high as they did. They probably could have gotten Mac Jones lower, but not necessarily. They wouldn't have the choice. They'd be locked into him when they made the trade. When you move up and the other four guys are gone, you can probably take a pick off the table in terms of negotiation because you're not paying for your choice anymore. So that's why the eighth pick to me is so attractive. Yeah, I mean, I've been kind of locked into the idea of if they're going to trade up, it's going to be number eight, just because I feel like seven, you know, with Detroit, they've got so many needs, like you mentioned, they need to they need to make a pick. And whether it's a quarterback or not, they need to go ahead and make that pick. But when you're when you're looking to trade up to eight, and we, we talked about maybe they have something in the weeds with, with Carolina. They've got a deal kind of – and they're just waiting to see what happens on draft night. If right. you're waiting and then two quarterbacks are there and you are and you're you have the ability to make a decision between them, what's stopping Carolina from calling Denver and saying, hey, the Patriots are on the line. This is what they've offered us, and they want to go get a quarterback. What do you got? And they've got a hell of a lot more attractive, you know, kind of package options than the Patriots do right well, now. Well, the other thing, in, in too, opinion. is – is Breer noted in, in that Monday morning quarterback, and I, and I love reading that, I, obviously ton of information. Um, I believe it was him or Peter King, one, one of the two, so I don't want to quote both of them. It was one of them said, you know, Bridgewater to, to Denver. Uh, they're kind of giving him, when they made that Sam Darnold trade, uh, they gave him kind of the rights, like, hey, you can kind of pick where you want to go. We'll, we'll work something out with the team. So if that gets done, um, it, it, there's really no one ahead of the – the only one ahead of the Patriots right now that, that can go quarterback is Denver. Um, and I don't know that the Denver thing is real. What with the they could still be, yeah. you know, Elway wants to be right eventually, right? Give give Drew Locke a little bit more time. I I mean I don't know. Right. I I wouldn't make that choice, right? Like who? It's, it's tough. Spags should 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 we do it? Spags should we should we do it? <laughs> I'll, I'll pull, if we if we could we'll pull up the 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 picture uh, Barth made, but um, oh, no, I I think that's good, right? Let, let's get into kind of that side of things where where if they don't go quarterback what's the plan uh because i i'll i'll go yeah. on the right i i wouldn't be surprised if they don't pick one this year i think they're pretty solid i think they're inside the organization they're a little bit higher on their room right now than than the media and us as fans which is crazy and it'd be <laughs> something to riot over uh but i i think it's it's jimmy garoppolo on day two for like a three and a five and maybe a future fourth or fifth to get back next year or the year after or they're rolling into 2021 with, with the same group and it's, hey, well, you know, Kraft spoke about how he's a big fan of Stidham and, and you know, talked about how the, the, the amount of money they spent can elevate Cam's game and kind of whoever plays quarterback. I think whatever happens, you're going to get a better quarterback product just because of the, 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 the talent around them. But it'd be a tough sell to the fans if you, if, you know, you move up to eight and you don't take one or, or they don't take one at all, whether they stay at 15 and, and pick at every spot that they're, they're, they're slotted in at. Let me ask you something. Why would you give up anything for Jimmy Garoppolo at this point? Kyle Shanahan, yeah. and I'm not even exaggerating here, basically came out and said he'd rather have him dead than on the roster. <laughs> and, yeah. you know, 
and I they they totally botched this, by the way. There was a point a couple months ago where they probably could have gotten a day two pick for Garoppolo. Yep. I believe Ooh, that. Yeah, maybe even a first to a team like Washington, something maybe, needy like that. Maybe. I at this point, as things stand today, because because what did they come out and admit? They think five rookie quarterbacks are better than him. Five guys who've right. never taken a snap in NFL practice. Forget a game. They think five guys are better than him. They admitted that they don't believe he's a starting quarterback. They've had the best look at his medicals of anybody, and they believe that prevents him from being a starting quarterback. And then they said they wanted him dead. So here's the they, thing with him, and I and I know you're not big on it, but you know, I'm me and Pat probably yeah. want it maybe a little bit more than you two. I, I remember from the last conversation we had, Alex. But when you look at it, Jimmy G is a better option than any guy you'll take after day one, and he's a better sure. option, I think, than any that what they have currently on their roster. And if you can get him for uh, a, a late day two, uh, you know, maybe they'll have to reach a little bit, say, say a fourth and a sixth or something. I'm all for that. I'm sorry. Where, if they but, don't, if they don't draft one, you, you have you, to. So here's the thing. So I don't know. I don't necessarily know that he's a better option than Mondra Trask because maybe for, for 2021. Yes, he is. Uh, yes. That's what I'm saying. But the Patriots love that five-year outlook. They love to talk about the five-year window. Jimmy's 30. Jimmy's right. 30 with that injury history. Even if you bring him on next year, guess what? We're still talking about the Patriots taking quarterback in the first round. He doesn't change. And, and if it's an immediate, if you want to improve the team immediately, like fine, I'm not against that. But again, I think at this point, the Niners would have to give me something to take Garoppolo's contract and his injury history. I'm not, you know, giving up a fourth and a sixth. It's you give me a fourth. I'll give you a sixth, and I'll take that contract off your hands because where else is he going? There's only two teams that can afford him right now. I can't remember one of them, but the other one's Jacksonville, where he's not going. So unless he negotiates his contract, which it sounds like he doesn't want to do, they so can't trade him. And you don't Why think not? he would? You don't think he'd re restructure to play here when he'd he'd be basically handed the job, right? The place he's familiar with obviously has to weigh the no trade clause, assuming he does to go right. to go somewhere he's familiar. I think that that's a reasonable. Like, so, hey, you're either a backup and you're getting run out of town in a year, or you can try to rejuvenate your career, take a little bit of a pay cut, go somewhere you're familiar, and that you know there's a good you know structure in place. So maybe he would. I, I'm not discounting that. But again, I you know San Francisco has to give me something to do that. For deal. sure, yeah. And then again, I just turn into a game of chicken. Cut him. You know, you, you, you want something from us? We'll wait. We'll wait. Right. You carry that $26 million cap hit with your NFL-ready rookie quarterback when you have other holes you have to fill in your roster. We'll wait for you. And guess what? They're going to cut him. They're not going to keep him. He's going to ask his release at some point. He's not going to sit behind Mac Jones. If he has to sit behind Mac Jones for a season, that's it. Yeah, I mean, he's done. It's his career. So at a certain point, he's going to become available for nothing. I'm not rushing into it. I'm not. What's what's the worst that happened? Like, I'm not, I'm not rushing into it. I'm not giving up anything for Jimmy Garoppolo. I'd take him. I certainly think he makes them a better team in the short term, but I'm not giving up any assets for him. I think you can get him for nothing. Yeah, and before we get down on the the Jimmy G kind of rabbit hole, because I could I feel it going that way. Kind of let's pivot into other options at quarterback because we could talk about Jimmy G for 45 minutes. That's exactly my point right there. Fields and Lance at seven. Say you can move up, maybe even eight. It doesn't really matter if you can move up. What are we talking about in terms of? Who's a better system fit? Who's a better long-term fit? And what can they do other than those two guys, maybe later in the draft or, you know, through trade free agency? That's that kind of stuff later, yeah, later on towards the season. I'll go, I'll go first. I, I have no yeah. issue with either of them, right? I think if they were to move up to, to a point in that point, of, to a point in that in the draft, 
I think you have to trust their evaluation at the quarterback position that if they'd be willing to do that, they're getting the right guy They're You know, that that's the guy that they wanted the whole time. Yep. If I had a preference, which my opinion means squat, I go Justin Fields just because of, you know, it's been him and Lawrence one, two, since their freshman year of high school. And then the bowl yep. games happen. And then, you know, Justin Fields is now being mocked 32, which is obviously a joke, but you guys get the gist of his stocks and falling and all this. I, I just, I take the kid from a power five school who's had experience in big games. What's he 22 as a starter, you know, played in a national championship game. I think that's the safest pick. But on the other hand with Lance, it's kind of that untapped potential. Like you like to refer to Pat, it's that lottery ticket, right? Like it's kind of like that Josh Allen type where, Hey, this kid's got all the tools. He might be missing a little bit in terms of accuracy, gets erratic at times, but if you can figure him out and get him in the right spot, this kid can be a superstar. Yeah, Matt, no. you want to go or I can? Yeah, go I'll go. Uh, I mean, listen, Fields is my QB two. Like he's my QB two. I think he's the second best player in the draft, and so he would be my pick. But at the same time, there are a lot of things that I love about Lance. Um, you know, the just just the ability that he has to extend the play. He, you know, and not just that, but like here's a guy who called audibles on the field, like ran the offense. He's not looking to the sideline to say, "Hey, what am I doing?" He's calling the plays and running, running the offense. And so, you know, kind of a pro style offense. You know what I mean? He he took, he took the least amount of snaps significantly, right? The least amount of snaps. So you you have some worries there, obviously played at North Dakota state. So you have some worries there, but if you trust the, if you trust the, you know, your, your scouting report and your scouting department, and they think he's the best guy and you think he's the best guy, then you take him. Even if that means overfields, even if half of New England's going to be pissed, at the end of at the end of it, like the end of the day, right? All we want is the guy, right? Give us Fields, give us Lance. Like it doesn't really matter, you know. And and Mac, I mean, listen, you take Mac Jones at fifteen. I'll talk myself into it. I will freaking sure. talk myself into it. Okay, like I don't care. So, but the key for me is Mac Jones is the key. San Fran needs to stay on stay on task right now, okay? And take Mac Jones at three, please. Because if San Fran does that, then we say, okay, now Lance and, and Fields are available. If Mac Jones goes, if Mac Jones doesn't go three and Fields goes three or Lance goes three, now we're like, oh no, only one of those guys are available. And yeah, sure, if Mac lasts a 15, fine. But I'm not trading a future first round pick to go up and draft Mac Jones. I'm not doing and great. Hey, San Fran wants to do it. That's great. Good for them. I'm not doing that. And so, you know, and then now I'm gonna be pissed because the freaking Patriots traded up for a quarterback finally and they got Mac Jones. And it like it's going to ruin my damn night. So like, so, you know, I just, I want Mac Jones to go three. So we don't have to worry about that. That's, that's, that's really where I'm at at this point. See, I think Mac Jones would be okay. Just because again, you have, it's kind of the same thing in San Francisco. You have all the pieces around him right. and he's, he's the floor option, right? He's the high floor. He's going to come in day one, be a legitimate starting NFL quarterback. He's not going to win any MVPs. He's not going to be an all pro, but you know, with the, t- with the talent they have around him, they can maybe win. So, I, I would move up to like 10 probably is my ceiling for Mac Jones. Cause I don't know if you have to give up a first round pick at that point, an extra first round pick to do that. You have to give up 15, but you right. might be able to do just like, you know, 15 future second to get Mac in between Lance and, and fields. I I'm, I'm the same way. I have fields as my QB too. I think the slides ridiculous. I think people are just getting cute for no reason. I Lance is the schematic fit, right? You can plug Trey Lance into the offense. They ran last year. You probably have to wait a year to do it because he's, you know, further out developmentally. But in theory, you can plug his prototype into the offense and you won't miss a beat. That being said, I and I wrote about this today for 98.5thesportsub.com. 
I wonder if they're looking more at a cultural fit and, you know, a, a mentally stylistic fit instead of game plan style. And that's fields. Four of the last five quarterbacks, Bill Belichick has drafted with Jimmy being the lone exception. Four of the last five played in the SEC. Four and of the last. Not to sorry. cut you off too. Every, every quarterback he's drafted aside from Jimmy played at a power five school and had multi-year experience uh, yeah. as a starter at, at a power five school. So Lance would be the, the, the complete, you know, opposite right. of what soft red shirt, sophomore played 16 collegiate games. It's just, that's not what they typically look for in their quarterbacks. Look, if he, if he had experience, he'd be the guy and it's no question. Yeah. But so four of the last five guys they've drafted were at SEC schools. Four of the last five were also transfers played in multiple programs. And I think there's something to that because you get a guy who's learned multiple systems has, you know, had to kind of quickly get in with teammates, get in with coaches. You don't really see that in college. It's super rare. So if you look at Justin Fields, SEC transfer, like, does he have that kind of background, that career arc, that path to get to that point? Cause that ultimately shapes these guys in their work ethic and their study habits and all of that is how did you get there? What did you do? Fields fits the mold of all the guys they've drafted from the background standpoint. And I wonder if they're more interested in the background and getting the gut, like, like the, the person they want to play quarterback more than like Trey Lance is the quarterback they want. But I think Justin Fields is the person they want playing quarterback. And I think that's more important for somebody with his immense talent level. You can tweak the offense a little bit. They more or less have the pieces to run his offense. It's a little bit of a change, but it's manageable. But you're getting that guy who has the same background that Stidham had, who has the same background that Etling had, who has the same background Ryan Mallett had. He's just a hell of a lot more talent. And he's the perfect guy to kind of handle the transition from the offense that they ran last year, which is not something that they had ever done before, you know, to that point, back to what they did with Brady and to a more – Patriots, Earhart Perkins style offense, you know, like we talked about going into last year, what is this offense going to look like? If you want to keep that offense and you think that's what, what you're going to be doing moving forward, you, you know, that's where the NFL is going. Lance is a good guy for that. Fields is perfect because he can play, he can do that running stuff that, that Cam Newton's done. He showed the ability to do it in college, but he's a pocket passer. He's not, he's right. not a guy who's going to pull down the ball and just run because he can't read a defense. Like some people have said, he's a pocket passer and he can, he can bridge the gap between the offense that they ran this, this year and then going back to what they've done in the past. If I have to listen to one more person say that dual threat quarterbacks can't win in the NFL, <laughs> I'm going to lose it's my mind. It just it's, doesn't. And like, not just that Patrick Mahomes is the best quarterback in the NFL. Is it somebody told me he wasn't a dual threat quarterback yesterday. The actual definition of dual threat quarterback and the way people use it are two wildly different things. They think of, like, I think of Michael Vick. <laughs> like an actual dual threat quarterback is a guy who can beat you with his legs and his arm, but it's kind of become this, like, what's the word? Um, pejorative term for a guy who can't throw. For a guy yeah, who right. purely gets by based on his legs. And there are quarterbacks like that, right? And those guys can't win in the NFL. Trey McSorley, Ian Book. I want nothing to do with those guys. Right. But they, that's not... You know, that's kind of the the slang dual threat quarterback. It's like, oh, he's dual threat because he has to win with his legs. It really just means a guy who can move around a little bit. And dual, most quarterbacks now are dual threat quarterbacks. Justin dual literally Fields, means both. It means right. both. So you have Justin to be able Fields to do both. You can't was just the run. most accurate quarterback in, the, in, in college football last year. So like, I don't even know that Justin Fields runs enough for me to consider him a dual threat quarterback. Right. It's just like I just by said definition. that because he has the ability. 
Like he has the no, ability. Right, right. And that's right. the thing. He's got the speed and everything else and whatnot. And and you can make the argument about Trey Lance because he doesn't throw a ton, but like he has the arm. It's just it, whatever. It's so stupid. It, just, it drives Lance, me nuts. It drives me nuts. And honestly, I'll be honest with you. I find it very interesting that no one is saying that Zach Wilson is going to be an issue because he's a dual threat quarterback. Everything, everybody, I've, I've been saying this, everything that everybody's attributing to Justin Fields for the fall is an accurate depiction of Zach Wilson. Right. The, the, the can't make the reads, the, the, the skill level, the, all of it. It's Zach, it's Wilson. Zach Wilson. Zach Wilson's white and is an all American kid. Like, and I it, mean, that's, that's just, and, that's just the facts. Well, like, look, I mean, like, we don't want to be mean to truth, Pat. Let's not the, be mean other, to a 12-year-old, but... The, the other thing is, too, like, I've said the whole time, I thought Fields should go there just because I think it... You're What are you getting from Wilson? And I know we're getting off topic that you yeah. wouldn't have got from Sam Darnold in his... Four, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I, it, Zach Wilson's Injuries. in for a rude, rude awakening, oh, right? He's, like, a, he's going to a dumpster fire. Zach Wilson's a bust. Clean, clean pocket. I, I, and and I don't think... That, like, it's not even that he... I think he's super talented. I, lo- I would love yeah. him to play quarterback here. It's just... Putting him in that situation, I think that's the worst position for him out of the five quarterbacks. Maybe you could throw Lance in there too because right. of the lack of the he's experience. He's going to walk in from BYU and face the Patriots and Belichick yep. twice a year, face McDermott and the Bills twice a year, and face, face Flores and the Dolphins twice a year. That's six games a year that are going to suck for a rookie quarterback. Like that's and, and with not a ton of, I know they added some pieces, but not a ton of weapons in New York, you know? That selection to him to New York is exactly what we talk about. Not what not to do when you're picking a quarterback. Like, oh, he fits the system that we already run. That's not what you right. do when you you pick a, a top of the first round quarterback. You your system is the quarterback that you pick. You don't just pick a guy who fits it best coming out of college. That's such a ridiculous idea. Right. The worst. So I I've said before. I think the second worst thing a team can do is not trade up for a quarterback. They truly believe in because they feel like they're giving up too much. Right. Remember Mahomes was an overpay yep. at the time. He's not now. That's yep. the second worst thing you can do. The worst thing you can do. The only thing worse you can do is the opposite, which is take a quarterback just to take a quarterback because that's how you end up with Mitchell Trubisky. And, and, they, and they won't do that though. Like that, that's what I like. They, no, I'm, talking about the Jets. I'm saying in, in oh. reference to the Jets and Wilson. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Because we're just trashing it, the Jets. Right. Like, it, no, I'll say because I've had a ton of fun trashing the Niners the last couple of days. But boy, the, the, the Jets need to send the Niners a thank you card because yeah. all of this kind of hate that the Niners are getting right now, deservedly so, for taking Mac Jones over Lance in fields really should be going to the Jets. But they, they, they kind of have that buffer, so they're not getting it. Right. That's a good point. Let's let's get in kind of down the road here. Because, yes. Like, I like this question. Yeah. A ton of, a ton of this question. You know, obviously, everyone gets hooked on the first round. Right. But I think there's. There's a lot of spots where this team can add some youth and depth, and I think it, at some key spots, right? Like obviously, corner and tackle are two spots that they could go early simply because of the you know the the uncertainty surrounding both their you know cornerback one and cornerback two. Will those guys, one of them, be traded this weekend? Who knows, right? J.C. Jackson playing on that RFA, Gilmore one year, seven million. I think he's not playing. Not snap play on, that. on that. Yeah, not going to play snap. And then you have Win, who's been great when he's on the field, but he started what thirteen. 13 out of 39 games, something crazy like that. And then Trent Brown, who knows what you're going to get out of him on a one-year deal. Uh, but I do like, I want to talk about the wide receiver position because if they don't go there, um, kind of going in the first round, th- this is a loaded class. Like last year, you can find tremendous value, not necessarily in the first round, but on days two and day three, some experienced receivers like Amari Rogers, Tylen Wallace, some of those guys. Uh, to go back to that question you just brought up, Pat, 
I think for me, it's Amari Rogers. I think everybody can kind of agree on that when you're looking at kind of the future of the slot. Will Kendrick Bourne play there? Who knows? He's kind of a, a guy who can play kind of everywhere, inside, outside. Uh, Rogers is a fit for me. I think, you know, at the beginning of this pre-draft process, you could kind of pen, pen him in for like a, a day three. I think he's talked himself into the top 60, top 70 picks. Uh, so that's right. a guy I like Tylen Wallace. If they kind of go that route for a true X, somebody that could play the boundary, go up and get it. Nico Collins as well. I wonder too, with the lack of pre-draft and, and, and no combine and really getting, you know, these guys in your building with it being virtual, how they'll value the senior bowl this year. And if they'll go for that kind of that older route where, Hey, we have four years of film on this kid. We saw him a week in mobile. We met with him. I wonder if that's kind of the route, not only the Patriots do, but teams go just because it's tough for me to draft like a, a small school kid that you really never saw where you can go for the sure thing, like a Rogers, a Wallace, a Nico Collins, somebody that, Hey, we got, even though he opted out this year, we got three, four years of experience with this kid. We talked to them at the senior bowl. We liked what we saw in live action. I wonder if that's kind of the route teams go, not necessarily in the first round, but when you see the draft kind of pick up Friday, Saturday. So if that's the mold you're looking for, and he's not a day two pick, but if that's the mold you're looking for, I absolutely love Des Fitzpatrick from Louisville. He yep. was kind of an unknown. He had a really up and down career. Like he would go for 120 yards one week and then have like one catch for eight yards the next week. But Louisville, he was, he was a gamer his freshman year when he had Lamar Jackson. And then the next three years were inconsistent, but Louisville didn't really have a quarterback. Goes to the senior bowl, dominates every single corner in practices. And then he was the leading receiver in the game. 6-2, he's a great hands catcher. Like the guys who can catch the ball away from their body, those are the receivers that succeed in New England. And he can do that. Yeah. He knows how to use his size. I think he's kind of what we want Nikhil Harry to be, but he's going to be there in the fifth, sixth round. So, I mean, I know you said, you know, round two, but the guy you just described to me, when I hear that description, Go get me Des Fitzpatrick. Like that, that's my guy if they're going to go out and get an X wide receiver. Yeah. And the worst thing that happened to him in college was having Tutu Atwell on the roster because Tutu that Atwell too, is yep. a college, he's a college wide receiver. You just throw him the ball behind the, the line of scrimmage and let him go. But my guy has always been since day one, Amon Ross St. Brown in the second that's round. Good. I think he is the perfect <laughs> Pat's pissed. I think he's the perfect guy to come in and take over, not right away, obviously, because they don't play rookies to take over those Julian Edelman snaps in the slot. I think he's perfect for it. I think he was built to play that role in New England. And if they're able to get him, I mean, he's probably slipped to the third round at this point. If they're able to get him with the 96th pick, that's a steal for them. So let me ask you this, because like when I do the show with Evan, he raves about him. Isn't he a little redundant to Jacoby Myers? I think he is much better suited to play specifically in the slot than Myers. Okay. I think Myers, the like the way they've used him, obviously, so far, super inconsistent his rookie year. But last year, he kind of moved all over the place. Yeah. Like, I think he split time at Z and slot, you know, doing different things. That worked for him. So why are you going to try to change his role now? Let him do. Let him be the guy who moves around. Everybody doesn't stay healthy every week. Not everybody's going to be a part of the game plan every week. Let him continue to do what he did. Have Amon Ross St. Brown do what Edelman did, you know, last year when he was healthy and, and on the field. The other thing, too, with the receivers is you know, aside from them moving up or somehow staying pat at 15 and getting a, a Devontae Smith, Jalen Waddle, one of them, getting a guy in the second, third round, right? You don't really have those expectations. And everybody likes to, you know, kind of shit on Nikhil Harry. Obviously, the, the, it hasn't worked out for a lot of reasons. And some of them I don't think are his fault, right? He came in, was the first ever 
wide receiver taken in the first round by Belichick came into a group that was desperate for a playmaker, right? They had went through Antonio Brown, Josh Gordon. They were all banged up. Just unrealistic expectations, I think, from the jump. When you get a guy like that in the second or third round, there's a little bit of a learning curve, a little bit more time that they can take. And I think with the additions they have with Bourne and Aguilar, and then obviously Myers now kind of stepping into a bigger role, I think you can kind of ease him ease him in. You don't have to ask so much from him early on in his career. That's why I, I, I'm attracted to a day two wide receiver more well, than the, you know, the other. Aside from getting one of them, the one of the guy for guys. me, the one of the guy for me, and I just wanted to mention him was was is Josh Palmer from Tennessee. I like him a lot. Six one ish, four five speed, but solid broad jump, ten four. Um, you know, and I believe at his pro day he didn't run, but I've heard some numbers about how uh, his short shuttle was very good. Uh, on a sub seven second short shuttle. Um, oh no, I'm sorry, a sub seven second cone drill, and then uh, and then a good sh- a good short shuttle. So, and that's a, that's a guy who, who he just had terrible quarterback play and right. coaching at Tennessee. Correct. That, that, yeah, that I mean, he's got some legit skills. You saw it at the Senior Bowl. That's, a, that's never a had over go up never had over like 600 yards in a season. But like Tennessee stinks. So like, yeah, yeah of course he didn't. You know, he's I an wouldn't... outside receiver. I would never want to scout, especially offensive players from Tennessee. I mean, that's yeah. the school that kept Alvin Kamara on the bench for two yeah. years. Right, right. Like, so. if they're their best play, I would just look at, okay, who played the fewest snaps? Him? Give me that guy because right. he's probably great. That's why I would you scout know, Tennessee. It, you know what it is, honestly? It's something similar to um, uh, David Gibbons. I remember Gibbons when he got to, of course, I mean, when Gibbons got drafted, I was seventh I was, round pick, right? Seventh round pick out of Notre Dame, yeah. but Notre Dame was a run. Well, run heavy offense. So they ran all the time and he was a good blocker, but he barely caught the ball because they didn't throw the ball. And then he got here and they were like, Oh yeah, he's pretty good because he's like, we're actually throwing the ball now. Right. So like, you know, it's one of those situations where once the guy can get the ball in his hands, he's a good player, but you just can't, you didn't see it because he doesn't have a guy that can get him there. You know what? It's like one of the great draft mysteries for me is Calvin Johnson coming out of Georgia tech. Right. Right. Like how does that happen? (laughs) Yeah. 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 And young kids now will look and be like, they run the spread offense. What are you talking about? That they were like Whoa. all in on the, the triple option. And they still played. should be, by the way. It's wrong that they, they changed that. Yeah. But you get a new coach and then everything changes. But yeah. real quick before yeah. we move on from wide receivers, I, I think it would be a really good idea for them to double dip in the draft, yeah. just specifically because you've got four who you could probably say will have a role on the team if if you're convinced that Nikhil Harry will have a role on this team. If you get two more, you have depth at all three wide receiver positions, and that's something that they haven't had in – I mean, the the one week Antonio Brown was on the roster was the last time they had that, and they haven't had it since and or before that. So that's something that they desperately need, especially if they're not going to have – if they're not going to get their guy at quarterback. And, and so one here, thing to, to – go ahead, Alex. Yeah, so I would just say to counter that, right – I'm going to count Gunner. I still think maybe he can snag a couple wide receiver snaps, especially if you're talking about depth. That's five wide receivers. You're also probably carrying four tight ends. So when you look at pass catchers as a whole, suddenly you're committing nine roster, or that's nine before the pick. You're committing nine roster spots to pass catchers. Let's also remember, this is a team that's going to be heavily, James White White too, but this is a team that's going to be heavily, heavily in 12 personnel. How many snaps are there for wide receivers on this roster? So, you know, between the roster itself, getting the guys on, and then, you know, finding them time to play, I just, I have trouble using a premium pick on a wide receiver this year because part of the problem with Harry was they drafted him and then didn't have a plan for him. And it just completely right. tanked his development. I don't want to see them draft a guy that's just going to sit on the bench for a year. So right. I, I, to me, like, again, it, like if you, I think if you can get a Devonta Smith who's supremely talented, sure, fine. But 
you're you're using so many roster spots on pass catchers. People say, oh, they don't have a real number one, but they actually have two. Their names are Hunter Henry and Johnu Smith. They don't need it because when you look at their target share, those two are going to get you know right. probably forty percent of their targets, and then factor in James White for another twenty twenty five, and then there's Kendrick Bourne, Nelson Aguilar, Jacoby Myers. Like there's your target share. Right. Who you just you just paid two of those guys. You got to keep them on the field. I I said this a couple weeks ago. I would take a running back before a receiver. I, I, I think running back, pass catching running back specifically, whether it's a guy like Demetric Felton, Rakeem Boyd, you know, one of these guys, Khalil Herbert, like, I think that's almost more of a need than receiver. If you want to go receiver late on day three, sure, but you're in a position to really set yourself up well for this season and 2022, and then maybe you look at it next year where, okay, well, now we need a receiver, and Kendrick Bourne's a free agent, and Jacoby's a free agent, and then it makes a little more sense. I just don't know, unless, again, you're either going to, cut bait with Kendrick Bourne, who you paid a decent amount of money or just give up on Jacoby Myers. I don't know where the, where a premium wide receiver just fits in the grand, like in the blueprint of this thing. I, th- I think if anybody's getting given up on, it's Nikhil Harry, right. but well, I, I, so Nikhil Harry's the fourth. He, how many snaps is he getting? Like how no, you're many right. reps yeah, are you really giving that guy with Nikhil Harry's role? And that kind of brings me to like, you know, kind of the, the later half of the show here. We're not. They have ten picks, if I'm not mistaken, right? I don't think yeah. they use all ten. Whether they move up this no, year, or move some capital next year, right? They have a they have a loaded roster right now. I don't I don't think they could fit. Keegan, you 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 touched on it last week. Do you know how many roster spots they have? They can fill right now. They have thirteen left, I believe. Thirteen left. Okay, right. So that's an another thing too. Who and I want to kind of open this up for discussion. I think there's a lot of uh, people aren't talking about enough that some guys, J.C. Jackson. Nikhil Harry, maybe Stephon Gilmore. Who are some guys that, like, shocking? I guess shockingly to some, get moved this weekend because I think it's a pretty good, uh, a pretty good chance. Not maybe not Gilmore, someone like that, if they're able to work something out long term. But I, I think you you could see some guys that are, have have had pretty big roles or maybe a big name around here move this weekend simply to to get some youth in there and also open up some roster space. So I think to go back to what we were just talking about, for example, right. If you move Nikhil Harry and then bring in another true X, perfect, right? Move him for a fourth. Use that pick to take a guy. Nikhil gets a fresh start. You get a fresh start. The one I like actually is Jonathan Adams. And I know he's kind of a fringe prod- prospect, but boy, that upside's amazing in terms love of being guy. a jump ball guy. I love it. He's awesome. The other one is, let's say, because we talked about this before, like they're sitting there at 15, right? And it's Darisar or Slater, or maybe they even move up for Sewell. Does Isaiah Wynn become expendable? Like mm-hmm. I, I, maybe yeah, not like that, because yeah. you don't want to force that. If, if they don't think the rookie's ready right away, I mean, you don't have a ton of depth to tackle, right? You have upside. You, you have the, the top is fine. You don't have a ton of upside, but if they, you know, if they get Slater and they feel like, yeah, this guy is an NFL player, you know, what happens to win? Right. Yeah, I, think, I think a lot I, of that. Go that ahead. Makes Pat. Sense. No, go ahead, Keegan. You can go. I was just gonna say, I think a lot of that relies on what they think of Justin Heron specifically as like the top swing tackle. Sure. And right. and then Yadni Kajust, can you get anything out of that guy <laughs> in, in year three? Just anything. Being the fourth tackle on the roster, a guy who's probably not even going to be active, but can he be healthy enough to practice every week? Like right. that's that's a big question mark. I, I love the idea of trading win. I think it makes a lot of sense. Uh, I think, you know, next year, he's only 10 million next year. So you probably pick up that fifth year option because for a left tackle, that's pretty cheap. But if you don't want to, and you're not going to sign him long-term anyways, what are you doing holding on to him? It doesn't make any sense. You're not going to get a comp pick back for him because no one's going to pay him an exorbitant salary unless he has an unbelievable year this year. So you're really not going to get much back for him. So instead of getting a third-round pick 
in three years back for him, get a fourth round pick back for him now, right? Or even a third round pick. You never know, right? Maybe if someone gets desperate enough or thinks, you know, hey, this guy looked good or whatever when he was healthy. I, I just think I think one of the corners has to move. Um, and the reason why for me is because you're gonna have to pay one or both of them, right? JC Jackson's very cheap this year. That's great. He won't be cheap next year. And so, like, you know, either you either you're gonna pay JC Jackson. Are you going to sign Gilmore to an extension? And what does Gilmore want for an extension? Does he want a four-year extension? And are you willing to pay? You know, like I, how far do you want to go with Gilmore? And if you give Gilmore four years, well, now you're saying, okay, we're going to let JC walk at the end of the year. And then if you let him walk, then when you get back from him, so like, so it's one of those things where I think they're going to have to choose between them. If it were me personally, and we're up to me, I'd probably choose Gilmore over Jackson. That's just me personally. I think. Gilmore is a better player than JC Jackson. That doesn't mean JC Jackson couldn't be a better player eventually. Um, but you know, that's kind of where I'm at right now. I just kind of look at it and say, one of those guys, it makes sense that one of those guys has to move. Someone, uh, I don't know, get up, talked about it. I think this morning, right about, of course they didn't know why he was only making $7 million this year. I'm like, you're going to be talking about Gilmore. Can you do a little <laughs> bit of research? Just a little bit, like just a small, I think it's on Wikipedia, like right there. Like, God damn. But, but you know, whatever, but it's one of those things, right? So like, I feel like trading one of those guys makes sense. They're worth a decent amount. And so you package them to move up and now you move on from that guy and you move up to get whoever it is that you want to get in the draft. And then there are some pretty good corners available that you can kind of, you know, get and, and see what happens. So I don't know. I, we'll see what happens, but I, one of those guys at the, I think wins a great candidate and one of the corners I think has to move this weekend. See, I wonder if the corners are tied to the quarterback and if they don't get the guy right, if they don't get fields, you're you're sort of still in the rebuild. Even if Jimmy comes in, I think you're sort of still in the rebuild, and then it's maybe, all right, you know, let's kind of reset this thing. Let's pick up some future assets. If you get fields, I mean, like, like we said, like you have a chance of doing something. I don't know if it's the Super Bowl, but you can do something. And maybe it's, hey, we'll hang on to these guys for, for the year, and, you know, then we, we pay one of them at the end of the year, and, oh, well, we only get a third-round pick for the other one when he walks or, or used a franchise tag or something. I, the corn, the, there's one other guy who interests me in this and that's Sony Michelle because it's basically this, it's basically the same thing as win, right? 50 year options coming up. And we know in free agency, they were poking around on early down backs, right? It was pounding the table for the third down backs. They were poking around on like Leonard Fournette. There's some of those guys in the draft that can play. And I wonder if they get that guy, Damian Harris becomes, you know, one a, that guy becomes one B and suddenly Sony Michelle's expendable. Yeah, I mean, if you pick up a guy like Trey Sermon, who can do both, sure, you know, yeah. fill fill kill two birds with one stone, and then Chuba you can Hubbard. get rid of Michelle, right? Chuba Hubbard, great name. It yeah, is I, I, yeah, it is Chuba, it, but I will be calling him Chuba. If you oh, it's Chuba. No, yeah, it's Chuba <laughs> for me. Well, it's it's the Chuba train. That's sweet. Yeah, too. Talk about a guy who should have came wait. out last year. Like he's Chuba probably stank. a pick last Come year. On, yeah. you know I mean? Chuba what? stank. That's unbelievable. Oh, <laughs> that's it right there. That's the one. I did, see, I, if they take him, you guys are going to have to just do a whole show coming up with these. Yeah. You didn't even touch on, I mean, the Hubbard telescope. Oh my Lord. Dude. I mean, the last the thing t-shirts. I'm going to make, I'm going to make so much money off t-shirts. Yeah, there's great. some guys in this and, class and, with some way, all, all, all name team. Uh, Shuba Hubbard. When they're calling yeah. into the sports. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Shuba Hubbard. Yeah. yeah. This kid oh, Hubbard. Man. <laughs> yeah. Man's going to have some fun with that. So, yeah, no, I I, I I actually like this running back class. I do. I don't know how aggressive I want them to be, but I like the class. Javante yeah, Williams is a beast, but he might Yeah, I, I think the, 
like the middle class of this draft specifically, there there are like six, seven guys in the the third, fourth, fifth round that you can get, and I don't think you're going to be fighting with a bunch of other teams to yeah. to go ahead and get those guys. They'll they'll fall right. they'll fall on who's your the, lap. Ramondre Stevenson, from, who's the kid from Louisville, who's just like stupid fast. His oh. testing numbers were outrageous. I looked at him, I was like, get that. Javion Hawkins. Yeah. Yeah, Hawkins. Yeah. His his numbers were foolish. I was just like, get I was like, what what? Like that it was insane. What Louisville so. does is they go to Miami track practices and they just pick those guys <laughs> off and they're like, You're gonna come play running back. <laughs> like they, they just yeah. go to Dade County and, and get the fastest kid they find. Yeah. Right, so, like, uh, go ahead. No, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. So I was gonna say, even some of the later running backs, like I get I don't know if you guys are last chance you fans. I get accused of only liking Rakeem Boyd because he was on last chance you. Oh, that's he's, right. I forgot about that. I think he's got, you know, a little bit of Rex Burkhead in his game and he's probably a year away. He needs to develop, but I, I mean, I like him and I don't, is Jarrett Patterson a late or a middle guy? I feel like he's kind of stuck in between probably four or five. But you think he's a little, okay. Yeah, like but, five or six, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, those are two guys too. Again, if you want to wait outside of the top 150, I still think you can get a back who can contribute by year two. All right, so listen, before we leave, and this is a perfect segue into it. Before we leave, I, I want us to just go through, because this is because honestly, it's draft season, right? And the draft to me is all about like the guys, like your guys. You know what I mean? Like the guys yeah. that you're just like, I love these guys, and I want to see them succeed wherever it might be, and hopefully it's here. Now, last year for me, my two guys were Kayvon Wallace and – Jalen Hurts, and they both got taken by the freaking Eagles. Uh, and so, like, you know, it is what it is. But so I just want to go through just just the four of us and talk about who, like, who's, like, your guy. And obviously, right, we have the guys at the top of the class, like Fields, Lands, like, past that. Who no are, like, the guys? Rounds. No, yeah, no, like, clear okay. first-round guys. Who are, like, the guys that you're, like, I love this guy, and, like, it doesn't matter whether it makes sense or not. Like, I want this guy to be successful. I'll, I'll go. For me, the – I'll go two, and if I three comes to me by the time, Baron Browning, I would love him here. Um, Five-star recruit, didn't really kind of a crowded linebacker room at Ohio State, but uh, this year in particular, the tape he put out was, was super impressive. I think he probably sneaks in uh, mid-second round. Another guy, Jalen Darden, guy who went to, to North Texas at, for like 145 pounds, and the, the only receiver this year who had a better year than him was Devontae Smith. He had 19 touchdowns, like 1,400 yards. Crazy. That that could be like kind of the Darnell Mooney pick of, of this year. Uh, and then he's another the guy too. He's the opposite of a Patriots player, and I freaking I love him. I want them <laughs> to break the mold to take. Same. Him. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. And then I like uh, he he could not necessarily. I, I like Landon Dickerson too. Um, you see a lot of um, kind of the we go? just lost Barth, but um, yeah. For th- those are my guys right there. Those three. I like it. I like it. All right, Keegan. Yeah, I mean, I've got to. I'll, I'll go Patriots and non-Patriots. The non-Patriots guy I love. I've loved him since, I don't know, September. Davion Nixon, the defensive tackle out of Iowa. Every right. time somebody says something bad about the defensive tackle class, I want to scream because I love him. I think he's <laughs> I think he's going to be phenomenal at the next level. And, and he's a guy who can fit in any system. He can do anything you want up and down the defensive line. Just I think he's going to be a great player. And then Patriots specific, um, since I think we all agree that they're probably going to kind of transform that defense into more of a three, four, like early down role or early down system. I think Carlos Basham jr. Is a perfect guy to play three, four defensive end, like the five tech, um, have Matthew Judon on the other side playing, you know, that, that outside linebacker role. And you've got a guy, you've got good run defenders and then guys who have pass rush upside. I think Carlos Basham jr. Is a, a great 
future Patriot type guy. Love it. Love it. So I start I, I started listing some of these guys listing some of these guys last week, so I didn't forget about them. And it turned into a 150 player big board. It's 151. <laughs> I won't give you all of them, but I'll give you some rapid fire here. Uh Rakeem Boyd, Chuba Hubbard, we talked about, love Darden. Uh, Jonathan Adams, Des Fitzpatrick's another guy we talked about. Stone Forsyth on the defensive line. I like him. Uh, I, out of, who, out of Florida. Yes. Forsyth, yeah. He's he's like a cross between Trent Brown and Nate Solder, kind of, if that he's makes six, any seven, sense. 325, I think he's a monster. But he can move he move around yeah. a little bit. Versatile yeah. too. Played a lot of right and left tackle. I like uh, Marvin Wilson. I like Taquan Graham. Darius Stills is an interesting one for me because, like, if the if the Patriots are still a four three, he'd be a lock. But he's a two hundred sixty five pound defensive tackle. Like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do with that. Right. But I mean, he's an interesting player. Uh, I really like Chaz Surratt. He was one of my first guys. Chaz Surratt, Patty Fisher, Nick Bolton. Pat, I know that's your guy. I've mm-hmm. been Bolton was one of my first guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really like Eric Stokes is another one. I really like St. Juice. And then the safeties, I, the depth safeties in this class. Oh, Javon Kane. Holland. How did I forget about him? Keegan? That was, that's legit. My that's guy. your guy. I, I thought yeah. you're going to like circle I back. And that was I forgot the last about thing we heard. Javon Holland's yeah. my number one. So. so I'll give you Caden Stearns, Richard LeCount, Tyree Gillespie, DeMar Hamlin. If the Patriots end up with one of those four guys, which one was yours? Caden Stearns. Stearns. I played high Caden school Stearns. football against him. Oh, He's really? Awesome. Yeah, he returned Kate. one of my punts for a touchdown. It was sweet. I really, <laughs> I was watching them. like a fan. <laughs> I really wanted them to draft. Um, what was his name? The Joker was his, he played for Texas. He's on Baltimore now. Deshaun Elliott. Oh right, a couple years ago. So I feel like this is the second shot at Deshaun Elliott. And then, by the way, yep. got to round it off. Grant Stewart, the new Nate Ebner, if they can get him in the seventh oh, round. Man. So oh, those yeah. are my guys. Look at that! Holy shnikes! All right, I got a few. <laughs> I got a few. Listen, Nick, my my love for Nick Bolton. <laughs> knows no bounds like i i freaking i love the guy dude he just he brings the goddamn wood and i think he's just he's awesome he's awesome to watch i loved watching his tape like he just and i know it's like well yeah they can get a guy like that you sure they could but like why is bolton ranked way ahead of those guys because for a reason right bolton has some athleticism behind him as well you know for a three four inside linebacker like i, I mean my goodness, I would love that. So, uh, Bolton is is my number one. Tywa Shelvin, my friends. Yes, Tywa Shelvin is he. His RAS, his his relative athletic score, is one of the funniest things I've ever seen because every single thing is very poor. His forty yard dash, very poor. His twenty yard split, very like they're all two or below, like really terrible. His height is a 3.82, and his weight is a 9.91. The only thing that's good about him is his weight, and he is just an absolute monster in the middle and exactly what they're looking for for a nose tackle. So I love that guy. And then um, and the final guy for me is Amari Rogers because Amari Rogers and, and Spag talked about him earlier. Amari Rogers, a child of the Brady Six. T. Martin is his dad. T. Martin was a member of the Brady Six. It would be an absolute shame if Amari Rogers didn't get taken by the New England Patriots or by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, he should either be catching passes in the place that Brady built or from Tom Brady himself. Like that, that has to happen. So like if the Patriots don't take him, the Buccaneers have to take him just for the poetic, for, for the poetry behind it. Imagine that happening. So, uh, you know, we'll see, but those are, those are my three guys. There's a bunch of others, but those are like my three, like main guys that every time, I have like literally I do I do a mock draft. Someone commented on my last mock draft and they were like, Hey, you didn't you didn't put Amari Rogers in. I'm like, I know, I know. I broke the Amari Rogers rule. Like I have to put him in every mock draft. But like, you know, it's just 
it didn't didn't work out. I, I put Darden in there instead, but uh, but my goodness, those three guys, man, I just and and Keegan hates it because Keegan and, and Spags both love Baron Browning, but I just like I I had the opportunity. I did a I did a full two round mock draft on Locker Room, which which I've been on. I love Locker Room, um, but and I had the opportunity. I traded back in the second round, picked up two late second rounders. Had the opportunity it was between Bolden and Browning, and I said on the thing, I'm like, everyone in Pat's probably is going to hate me, but I'm going Nick Bolden. What are you going to do? Are you one of the, like? Because I know, like sometimes for me, like I'll like a player so much that I'm like suddenly a fan of that school for a year or two. <laughs> like you sound like you're like a borderline. Like you're going to be like I honestly, because I was a huge True Lock guy, and yeah. I kind of tailed with Missouri a little bit after he left. Just because, like, I got so into it. That was me. So right. I, you sound with, uh, like LSU for for Burrow for sure. Yeah, yeah. Trash, you, for sure. Pat, you sound like you're gonna go out and get a tiger head. I'm, I might, I might. Oh. I did that. I did that with when they drafted Juwan Bentley, dude. I freak. I loved Bentley, and they had this. Of course, they had the Tyler Trent story the year before, right? His yeah. his senior year and everything. And so, like, I was kind of already invested in Purdue, and so I kind of I don't really call, follow college football, but I did kind of follow like follow Purdue for that year. So it might happen with Missouri, especially if he gets taken here. I mean, if he gets taken here, dude, I mean, it's going to be amazing. <laughs> I won't say I'm that way with Chris Olave because I've been an Ohio State fan. Kenny Guyton, if anybody remembers that name, when he came in and threw five touchdowns in a corner, he was like that eighth <laughs> string quarterback. I've been a fan since like 2013. But Chris Olave, wherever he goes, like if he gets drafted by the Ravens, I'll be a Ravens fan. I love that guy. I think he's the coolest, he's a, he's smoothest a wide receiver I've ever watched. See, those guys, like the guys from like, so I'm, Alabama was the first school I got accepted to uh, in high school. And then Missouri, I almost went to. I changed it at the last minute because I got in somewhere off the wait list. So, like, I've always kind of been an Alabama and a Missouri fan. And those guys always go to either the Jets, the Bills, the Dolphins, or the Giants. Like, (laughs) I just – I can never root for them. And it, like, it kills me. Yeah, yeah. I I applied to Ohio State knowing damn well I couldn't afford to go there, so I just I just have the acceptance email like in my in my folder. I'm like, yeah, I got in. Go. Didn't go, but I got in. So <laughs> honorary go. Buckeye. Love there it. you go. That's great. So this has been so much fun, Barth. We love doing this with you, and uh, we we appreciate you coming on. It's it's been it's been a long, long, long off season to get to the draft. And listen. I mean, let's not kid ourselves here, right? The draft's going to come, then it's going to be over, and next week we're going to be like, all right, now what? Like, now we got to wait another five months to get to the freaking training season. Training camp, like, baby. You know, like, I know, it's just true. It's only, training camp's only three months away here, right? Let's let's not forget. So, but we might um, be able to go this year. I, I mean, it's about to say that. It's a possibility. It's looking like it. It sounds like it. So, you know, but, uh, but anyways, but it's been, it's been, a, it's been a blast. We appreciate it. Um, it's going to be a heck of a few nights. Um, and so, you know, plug yourself and, and you know, what are you guys doing for draft night and, and where can they, you know, read you and see you and hear you and whatnot? Uh, um, yeah, 98.5.com. Uh, there'll be some video work, too, with CLNS with Evan Lazar. I'm not sure if it's going to be live or uh, reactions or whatever, but that will be out there, too. And then you can find it all on Twitter at Real Alex Barth. It's actually right there. Nice. Look at that. Love it. Love it. Well, thank you for coming on. Thank you guys for listening. We appreciate it. Don't forget. Thursday night, we will be live the entire first round, the whole time. The entire first round, we'll be live from like 7.30 on. We're going to be there the entire night. We're going to have guests coming in and out. We're going to be talking about other teams. We're going to be talking about the Patriots. Hopefully, there's going to be a trade-up, and we're gonna, the, the people are going to go nuts. It's going to be awesome. So make sure you tuned in for that. And then we're going to have, like we've been doing the last few years, we're going to be having our Instant Reaction podcast. 
after every pick and or trade. So make sure you're sticking around on the Pat's Pulpit Podcast Network for that. But that's going to do it for us tonight. Thank you to Alex for coming through and uh, to my co-host Ryan and Keegan as always. And we will see you guys next week. Oh, no, not next week. In a few days. In a few days. <laughs> Tomorrow, Ooh, right? right? The draft's in two days. So if close. you're listening on Thursday, the draft is literally today. Oh, my goodness. I wish I was in the future with you guys.